Welcome to TSCRA Talk, a podcast by Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association. I'm your host, Kristen Brown. Joining me today is James Clements III. James has a strong heritage of ranching through his mother with Beggs Cattle Company, which was established in 1876, and his father with King Ranch, established in 1853. He currently serves as Senior Vice President and General Manager of Grass and Rangeland with Earth Optics. And with November being a special time to recognize and honor veterans, I'd like to say a special thank you to James for his past and continued service to our country. James, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being with me today. Yes, thank you. Good to see you, Kristen. Appreciate you having me on. Now, there's lots of information about carbon credits. And earlier this year, the Cattlewind Magazine had an article on the topic. And there's becoming more and more resources for people to learn about what that might look like for their ranch. But for our conversation today, I want to look at the topic of carbon from a very high-level, industry-wide perspective. So to start, just so we're all on the same page, give us some high-level background on this carbon conversation. When did it start? How did it come about? And who were some of the key players? So just a little bit on my background, just how I got here. So both sides of my family have been ranching a long time. I just finished working 10 years at King Ranch. And while I was there, I became a landman late in my time there. And we uh, we worked on some projects with renewables and some d- different types of carbon projects and also a lot of uh, cleanup and soil health projects as well. One of those projects, Exxon funded with B Carbon out of Rice University, a test where we took on the two northern divisions, Santa Gertrudis and Laurelis. We went and sampled all soil on a few thousand acres on as diverse as uh, as soil types as we could. And so types of soil, but also types of management. So heavy graze, light graze, no graze, farmland, wildfire burn, controlled burn, heavy brush, no brush, keep going. It was just every different type you could, you could find in South Texas on those two divisions. And during that time, I spoke a lot with Lars Dyrud at Earth Optics and then Mike Marler out of Oklahoma that was the rep from B Carbon. And that was kind of my, where I got to really learn about all of this. And then since then, that was a year, just over a year ago. And so a few months later, and then I also entered in a contract with Grassroots Carbon, GRC, and that's a developer. And we'll kind of go through the players and where they line up in the columns. But so a few months later, I left King Ranch and went to go work for Earth Optics because it seemed that all good sampling practices were coming through the Earth Optics house. And so Earth Optics again, is a soil health and measurement company. And so unique to a lot of the industry, because right now you have kind of four pieces to the pie. You've got the the landowner, the seller, and uh, the rancher, the farmer, et cetera. Then you got the us, earth optics, the people that go and tell you how many tons of carbon you're capturing on your soil based on soil measurements, satellite imagery data, and historical information and rainfall and other factors. Then you've got the people that the verifier that actually turn a ton of carbon into a credit, which equals each other, but they're still basically do a, uh, they analyze your data and confirm the tons are correct. And that that is a, a, a credit. And so that's Vera, the gold standard climate action reserve, B carbon and others out there. And then you got the buyer and that's mostly fortune 500 companies and even more so the heavy emitting companies. So tech companies, airline companies, large-scale oil and gas companies, that's your buyers. 
And so people are often saying, well, that's the government's involved. Well, the only reason the government's involved is because most nations in the world have committed to the 2030 and 2050 compliances, which is 2030 is a reduction of carbon and 2050 is carbon neutral. And even if a company is not listening to the, their sovereign government about those, that pressure, shareholders are now pressuring these companies to, to do the same thing. And so they want their companies that they own stock in to be carbon neutral or at least to be heading that direction. And so uh, that's kind of a, a real general, but a real quick example of how of how this thing is broken down. Does that answer your question, Kristen? Yeah, that's so helpful to know. And so the 2030 and the 2050 initiative, I know in the 90s, the carbon was discussed, but when did the vision for the 2030 and 2050 initiatives come about? Do you have any insight there of how, you know, this conversation didn't just start two years ago and and this vision didn't start just two years ago. So it's, I guess what I'm getting at is it's been a long time in the making, correct? Sure. Yeah. And, and you're right. So in the nineties, this there was a wave that started, but the market crashed really early 2000s, really, I mean, post 9-11 and people recommitted on what was most important. And then as the kind of pressure grew, then the UN and, and other nations in the EU especially were doing this, but then and the U.S. has stayed and tried to watch and learn and, and see how our government should be involved. The government has already gotten involved in the direct air capture, deep deep soil storage or subterranean storage of carbon, which is a totally different process. That's mechanical or industrial carbon capture. And we're talking about natural carbon capture. But And, and then in the last probably 10 years, you've seen a big surge in in this being one of the most reliable ways for these companies to do this. And so another reason that I'm here, minus that, you know, I think it's an interesting and and it's a new cash flow resource for ranchers. And it's something that the more people learn about, the more they can get behind. But one, and you and I spoke about this before, but our data with Earth Optics is showing that livestock are improving soil's ability to capture carbon. And so this is defending our industry because it's saying with data, not with opinion, that cattle, horses... Anything that is eating grass or, or inert species on the on the ground and then converting it and moving on and, and, and letting it rest is actually benefiting the cycle. So much more so than anything negative that comes from the methane cycle that you hear often about, but how cattle speed up the carbon cycle in a longer term cycle of capture, storage, and permanence is much more important to, to the health of this world. It also gets people to second guess the wide scale development we're seeing because if people want to talk about why we have more intense storms or weather events a big portion of that is because we we have destroyed ecosystems that used to naturally soak up water to prevent flooding they used to naturally cool environments to to keep these hot days that we just had over the summer because you know heavy population and concrete covering soils has done more detriment to what the weather temperature is than people ever talk about. And so that's another thing that we're seeing that, that this data and this in our carbon industry is proving. And, and I like to get behind that. You know, it's so interesting because one thing that piqued my interest with the carbon conversation is a comment that I heard made that car manufacturers were using pleather, so faux leather, instead of actual real leather because of the carbon impact of cattle. Do you think when all of this carbon conversation came about, 
do you think that they knew that cattle and land managed properly would be the answer to the carbon, I'm going to say problem? Yeah, and, and, and I, I understand your hesitation saying that word because it's not a problem. We just have to be better about managing the solution, right? But yes. no, it's just like the Impossible Burgers. They're less healthy from you know a human consumption standpoint, but they're also much more detrimental to emitting carbon and also pleather. You know, I, I don't have the data that says that, but the the amount of materials and energy that grows into creating pleather rather than just taking an animal that is a natural living animal and you know it being one of the many products that's gotten from cattle is ridiculous. And we've rushed into the wrong conclusions about what we think is going to be better for the world. And really, you know, it's like everything else in ranching. A lot of times you got to look backwards to find the answer to move forwards. And again, I, I think this, that, that is why this carbon conversation is so important to me because it's making people realize what ranchers and farmers are doing and the benefits that we didn't even realize. But guess what? We're stewards of the land. We're defenders of these ecosystems. And it only makes sense that we're now proving all of the other benefits that we didn't even realize were out there with this data that we're, that we're able to receive. Well, that makes so much sense. And going a bit further, the thought that if the perception and the numbers didn't show that cattle were sustainable, then it could ultimately devalue the animal, which impacts our bottom line. But on the flip side, which is what I hear you saying, there's a lot of opportunity, which then leads me into the thought that all cattlemen, whether they're participating in carbon credits, whether they're interested in carbon credits or, or not at all, but all cattlemen are impacted by this conversation and this topic, whether they realize it right now or not. Absolutely. You know, that, that's the call to action. If we don't engage in this and, and drive the conversation then people that don't know farming and ranching or maybe very new to it and, and have unrealistic expectations of what production is supposed to look like are going to drive the conversation. And then we're going to complain in a few years when we finally do accept this soil carbon and these credits and this new opportunity for ranches, because we're going to say, well, this isn't realistic. Like I've got to show you what's realistic on my ranch or my farm. And that is where if we can if we can guide them now, the protocols is, is the is the major issue here, right? Because the protocols say, if you do this, then we pay you this. And those are very vague now because they're written by people that aren't on the land. They're trying to understand. They're trying to figure out. They're working with NRCS offices and USDA and, and those kind of agencies. But if it was real ranchers that had had that true day-to-day experience on the land and they can say, I used to be able to get this many pounds of beef on these on this country. I've increased it and I've reduced my inputs to keep this pasture in good shape. Everything I just said, if a rancher is doing that, means that they've increased their carbon capture because they've increased their soil health because that's increased their productivity. And so if they're able to say that and put that into words, then we can drive protocols based around that. And you're going to hear a lot about additionality. Some people are already uh, having access to additionality without even realizing it because, again, are they doing something better than their neighbor or than some someone else in the industry? Okay, what is it? Can you explain it to me? Why are you doing it? Let's get some data. That's where, why Earth Optics is so important. The only way we're really going to confirm this and then future-proof these credits so people don't second-guess them down the road is by pulling the soil data 
figuring out where we were and where we're going or where, where we are now and where the neighbor is who's not doing what I'm doing. And so th- that is why I, I, I would like ranchers and farmers to get involved now. And again, if we're on the wrong course, speak up because then we can change course and get this thing right and, and keep moving forward. Earlier, you shared about Exxon and through the process of working with them, I anticipate that there was an open door for a lot of conversations about how cattlemen are very thorough in all aspects of what they do. I've never had so much access to Fortune 500 companies and and talented people, their VPs and up, that are so concerned with this because, again, they're being pressured by their shareholders to be concerned with this. And so this is democracy in action, like we're supposed to see it where they're being told to do this and they're acting and doing this. So they need to learn about what ranchers are doing and they need to see how they can support that. And that thing that you could do to make your ranch better, whatever it is, there's probably a company that'll pay for that right now. And it's not a subsidy. It's not a, you don't owe them anything except that you might be reimbursing with carbon credits because you've improved that soil because of that. And that's how a lot of these work. They, they work like a very very no strings attached grant where it's, you know, Hey, if, if you do this, then, then this will be the benefit. And as long as is I can quantify that benefit and then I can go tell my shareholders, this is, we helped Jim over here do this on his property. That's a win for this industry. And I mean, that's a huge win for ranchers too. And so just wrapping our heads around that and how that can benefit us, I think is really important too in the ranching industry. Sure. Well, and looping back to something that we've touched on already, but I want to hear more about it. The uh, kind of the lack of common sense of um, that fake meat, lab grown meat is better for the environment. Do you think at some point this message that cattlemen and cattle are good for the environment, good stewardship is good for the environment, cattle grazing in pasture land is what we actually need. Do you think that we will win some people over who are vegans and some people who have been told other messages, do you think we'll be able to loop them back in to eating beef? Absolutely. I have met people that are in this. And once they see the data, they realize that, you know, the the reason they turned to veganism or, or being a vegetarian was because of incorrect data or because of talking points. And, and once they see that this is the change that cattle can provide, they're going, you know what, this is actually better for it. And and the again, the amount of energy and the amount of inputs to create all the subs, substitutes for natural beef protein is spending way more carbon than anybody ever talks about. And so that that is on, on a per person, human consumption, pounds of beef, pounds of protein, whatever metric you want to give, natural beef is better for the environment, for the soil, and more carbon effective for the consumer, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. When talking about efficiency, what thoughts and insights do you have on the feed yard aspect of the carbon conversation? That is not as much what I do. So that'd be insets, right? So because of feed yard, like a high intense farming operation, they know exactly the inputs to produce their product, whether that's a crop or, or a pound of beef through the yard. So because they can tr- control the amount of water, the amount of feed, the amount of diesel or gas to create, haul and move that feed to move the animals, 
that's where you're seeing the insets available. Uh, and so it's absolutely happening in the yards too. They're, they're doing more with less than they've ever done before, but it's just, we, we're the soil measures and more facilitate on the grassland side than we do the yard. But what we're also seeing is that companies like there's a, a new startup called Frontiers that is trying to, is able to say, well, here's the amount of credits from the soil. And you're, you can attach that to a beef and then follow that through the food chain. So that, that's one, that's another decision ranchers can make. You know, one, one decision a rancher can make is, do I want to use a developer? So that's a grassroots carbon. That's a bee carbon. That's a Kateri carbon and agriculture and more and more. Or do I want to be independent? Meaning, do I think I'm doing enough good where I can pick up a, the phone and call one of these buyers, a Fortune 500 company and be able to sell directly to them? That, that's the first decision. And then the second decision, is what we were just alluding to is, is where do I want to attach that credit? Is that a personal credit where I can work on a, a, a tax issue because that that's developing too, is making this for, to help with tax money? Or do I want to just sell the credit, get the coins and do it that way? And, and then, or do I want to attach that credit to a certain part of my operation that makes that part more carbon efficient, you know, that division? Again, that gets a little bit more into the details but it's some of the decisions that a rancher can make. But those developers are, are a huge benefit, right? Because ranchers have enough to do. And so being able to pick up the phone, have a few conversations, enter into an agreement and, and a short-term agreement for the most part that can take care of all of the, everything I just said without you being involved with it, that's also a benefit too. So that that's the answer on the yard, I guess. And that's a few of the different directions you can go once you have the measurement. Again, that's why the measurements, that's why what, what we're doing at Earth Optics is so important is I've got to have the data. Everything else is an assumption or a theory. I need to have the data that says exactly tons of carbon captured here on this acre uh, first, and then I can have the conversation. Sure. That makes sense. Well, and as we run short on time at this point, what do cattlemen and landowners, if they want to learn more, what are some things that they can do to learn more? This is my job to do this. So if, if people want to talk to me, I, I think they can get a hold of me pretty easily through TSCRA and everything. But then outside of that, I mean, a bunch of the companies that I just mentioned, it's worth researching those. There's also Noble Research. King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management is studying these things tremendously. They put out some good work already, some papers and some data on this. There's plenty of information out there, and uh, and, it, and if people aren't finding it, I, I can help drive them in the right direction. Perfect, perfect. But let me say one more thing, Kristen. That yeah, like they the demand is there. There are hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars dedicated to the carbon industry already from the buying side from these major companies. The supply is what we lack, so we are the people they want to dance with, ranchers and farmers, because they are learning what we are doing to protect ecosystems. And so just realize that you're in a very good position as a landowner. Don't develop it. Don't sell it. Take a look at this first because there's high demand right now and it's only getting better on the futures that they're showing here. Three, four X in the next five or six years in terms of what these credits are worth. Ranchers need to realize that like the ball is in our hands right now and we can really have some leverage to negotiate here if we do this the right way. Well, that's really exciting. And like you and I talked offline I came into this conversation thinking that it was going to be more of that we are still on the defense with 
cattle and and um you know anytime big companies get involved you know it just there's this perception and, and we've almost you know it's just been a certain way for a long time but it is so exciting to hear that there's so much opportunity and, and this can be and is such a good thing for cattlemen landowners and our entire industry so thank you for all that you've shared with us today ma'am thank you for having me on to our listeners, thanks for being with us today. We invite you to be part of one of our ranch gatherings and virtual Ranching 101s. For a full list of ranch gathering locations, Ranching 101 topics, and more information about cattle raisers, visit tscra.org or email events at tscra.org. <music>